0: If he starts making more contact with what he's doing everywhere else, he's going to have just stupid numbers.
1: If you can go six and six while everything's on fire, I mean, hey, if things turn around, you definitely put a winning streak in
0: there. Yeah, I am talking with one hand because I'm holding a microwave. A microwave... Microphone. <laughs> Josh is very <laughs> strong.
1: <laughs> and welcome to episode number 200 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we're attempting to prove that if you do something 200 times, you need not become all that much better at it. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, <laughs> and I am joined by uh, the ever Vigilant, Joshua Howsom. Josh, how are you doing tonight?
0: <laughs> I think you nailed it there. <laughs> I'm good, though.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so enough patting ourselves on the back. Uh, Blue Jays news, which is uh, mostly everyone is hurt. I think that's... Uh, we got a, a... This is just in one week. Merryweather, Stripling, Chatwood, Romano all went on the injured list. And Teoscar Hernandez got the COVID.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, it's... And this is to join Hatch, Pearson, Springer. <laughs> like guys, they were already out. It's just like my God, like it's just, it's crazy. Wait the until we play. The, wait injuries. until the,
1: we do an inter squad game between the hurt guys and the not hurt guys, and we see who wins. Um, there are other topics though. Uh, Vlad and Bo know what's up with at the plate and in the field, largely um, with with a couple of hiccups. Uh, the rest of the offense. Not so much. Uh, however, uh, Matt's Ryu looking good. Robbie Ray back in on the saddle uh, again. In the saddle on the saddle. I don't know. Uh, Roark is a bullpen pitcher, and uh, we get to meet up close and personal. Josh Palacios, Joel Payamps, Anthony Castro, and I guess re meet Anthony K tonight. Starting because there's nobody else. <laughs> Anthony K. Oh my goodness, we uh, we do have a uh, a gold star for um, one of the players. I, I I just I personally feel close to, um, so I'm going to give him a gold star. And uh, yeah, that'll round it out. I think by the time we get there, we will probably have said something deep and meaningful about something. So okay, yeah,
0: good one. It'd be the hey, you no know, time first... like, like two hundred episodes to do it for the first time.
1: Just so everybody knows, I said to Josh after. After 199 episodes, we should switch, and he should do the hosting and introing, and he laughed, uh, and he said, no, it's after 200 episodes, so next week, Josh, will be doing the hosting.
0: (laughs) It's like the whole century or decade-ending kind of thing, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not really, like, I have to do the whole 200. I misunderstood how that worked. Um, (laughs) Julian Merriweather. uh, So it started as a hip impingement, and now I heard it's an oblique strain. The, um nobody wants the obliques to be hurt
0: yeah there's been no report on the severity of the oblique strain because obviously that can be grade one to grade three and grade three means you're like done for months but it's not good <laughs> i mean it's uh I, was the star of the bullpen and we'll get to why he was the star and not someone else in a minute but like he came in, he pitched, he threw two pitches. and the, the second one was a wild pitch, but they picked the runner off on the wild pitch. It was
1: amazing, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah. And they didn't, didn't come up for the ninth. And, you know, they'd taken a four-run lead. So it's just like, well, they could have then a day game the following day. So I was like, well, maybe they're just taking him out because they, this way he can pitch tomorrow as well. And then, no, he's hurt <laughs> again.
1: Yeah. Sometimes uh, the worst-case scenario is is the thing uh as very well the, now again we're we're at oblique which is usually a long recovery period but on on the flip side nobody's ever i don't think had surgery for an oblique strain
0: no it does not seem to be something that requires a kind of surgical <laughs> procedure so so i guess that's good
1: yeah maybe um i think i'll go to romano next because i was saying uh, to you, just prior to the podcast, that I think we all expected Romano to be the you know the star of the bullpen, and he had a lot of of trouble. In my mind, anyway, he had a lot of trouble finding the strike zone consistently um, to get into those those situations where he could really wipe guys out with his slider. Um, but now he is hurt with.
0: So, <laughs> he it was listed as right ulnar neuritis, which. So Ty Berry on Twitter, at tyberry 3, said it was kind of in his medical wheelhouse. So he said this, <clears throat> ulnar neuritis is kind of an outdated term, but presuming they're using it interchangeably with ulnar neuropathy at the elbow, there's a pretty wide range of severity and outcomes. It could be anything from sleep with your arm straighter and see what happens to you need surgery. So we don't really know <laughs> much about it. but obviously it could be really bad and it could be okay so we this is definitely a we have to learn a little bit more about it
1: now here we have an actual arm injury as opposed to an oblique injury so uh that always is to me a bigger alarm bell did you think romano was really in form anyway like i think he was last time i saw his his velocity was about 96 which is not where jordan romano wants to be
0: Yeah, I mean, he was still hitting 97, 98. So, like, I, I, yeah, obviously he has hit 100 and sat around ninety eight, ninety nine. But he, I mean, just mechanically he didn't look very good. And it turns out it was his elbow. I didn't think it was his elbow. I thought he was just sort of, his legs were off. But, um, yeah, I mean, he didn't look right. His slider looked different. It had a little different shape to it than last year. I mean, that can just happen. But he, uh, yeah, it, there's, it turns out there was a reason for it.
1: Um I have had the uh, the misfortune of listening to Buck and Pat and and such of course but during the home stand I don't mute them. I don't know why. I am just that that way. Um
0: but It's hard to uh, watch a game on Mhm. It is hard to watch a game on mute.
1: It is. It, it 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 you it's tough to know when to bring your attention up. Um so I noticed one thing about uh, the Romano, I believe it was his last outing. I think uh Gary Sanchez possibly was on first base and yeah, cuz it was it was 6-1. And uh, for the first time, Romano threw over to first. And Buck and Tabler are like, why is he throwing over to first? He's not going anywhere. I'm like, guys, have you watched any of the other outings? Literally every guy has been on base, has stolen a base against Romano. I think it was Judge. Okay. But still, he's not really throwing to stop Judge from running. He's throwing to prove that you can't just instantly steal a base off of me because i know how to throw over to first base by the way because clearly it nothing else had worked up to that point. <laughs> uh yeah. so that other part of the game was not working for romano at all that's super involved to bend down your knees stand up etc cetera, etc cetera, what's something the yankees said "Oh, we can run wild on this
0: well what was really bad about it was he would do this thing where he'd do his squat which like that's fine like, they can't run while you're doing that because once you get up you could just step off and throw him out but he would he would do squat set pitch squat set pitch no varying in the timing and he has this really slow wind up to begin with like because he rocks back on his leg and then goes forward so if they can just time it when you're when you have that slow delivery to the plate you have no chance to throw anybody out and he was just doing that and they were running wild on him so he needed to try something
1: yeah just to break up the uh the the clockwork-like timing of the runners-on position. So maybe he'll get a chance to think about that while he's on the aisle. Um, Ross Stripling. (laughs) You know what? I I remember Chatwood is is some kind of elbow impingement, but I don't remember what happened to Stripling.
0: (laughs) Forearm flexor strain. Sure.
1: Like, literally all of these things could be rest it for a couple of weeks and see how you feel. Or, uh, I'm sorry, it's Tommy John uh yeah.
0: stri- <laughs> stripling Treble was not was, was <clears throat> triceps inflammation
1: oh okay the back of the arm or, or the, the yeah, upper okay. arm instead of the lower yeah well so far away from the elbow um stripling <laughs> was not doing himself any favors on the mound anyway so i'm not sure how broken we are up about that except that these innings need to go to somebody
0: yeah and when we get to um To some of the moves that they've made, well, we'll get more into depth about how they're covering them and how they're not covering them specifically. But um, yeah, like he he wasn't great, but he was. I mean, they need, like you said, they need somebody to pitch. I mean, Anthony K. Starting this game, going into the start of the of spring training, so before Pearson and Hatch got hurt, I think Anthony K. Was tenth on the depth chart among starting pitchers to start the year, tenth. It's April 15th. <laughs> yeah. I, they, the, the injuries have just been wild. I mean, I, like there's people getting injured all over the game right now. It's kind of a problem. But the Jays have, right now, 10 injured players, not counting Kirby Yates, who were on their 40 men to start the season. So 11 if you count the guy who's out for the entire year.
1: It's It's tough to turn 25% of your roster into something. When you're doing substitutions, 100%. Yep. Um, and lastly, but certainly not leastly, Teoscar has COVID-19. And he's yeah. symptomatic.
0: Yeah, it's, that's the, obviously the worst part. He actually has the illness as opposed to just testing positive, which is bad enough as it is, obviously. But, you know, this means that his health is at risk, right? I mean, it's not yeah. nothing to get covid
1: Yeah, we're talking about, I'm talking about Teoscar, the person. I'm not worried about, you know, we'll talk about the player in a second, but I feel really bad for him. Now, apparently it was some contact outside the team. Yep. Uh, It was confirmed as a positive. They isolated Teoscar before he showed any symptoms. And then a day or two later, he, I mean, he both tested positive and began to experience the symptoms to my understanding. So the full 14 days of isolation and then has to be symptom free and then has to have wh- whatever it is, two, two negative tests in a certain period of time before he's even allowed to to contemplate coming back onto the roster.
0: Yeah, it's 10 days in the baseball protocols, but yes.
1: Well, oh, sorry, but he had already been, it was 10 more days from whenever he went on the IL, I thought. I thought yeah. he'd already been yeah. in isolation. I just, I just like, wanted to clear or, that
0: up. No, but it's like 10 days you know, under the COVID protocol from the positive test.
1: Oh, okay. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, but yeah, so he's, I mean, he's out, out, um, and hopefully he's, he doesn't have severe symptoms and he can come back, you know, at the shorter end of that period, but it's possible, you know, even if everything goes well, it could still be another week beyond that before Teoscar Hernandez can get back in the uniform.
0: And then obviously the bigger worry is that there's lasting symptoms. I mean, we saw some guys last year, like Yohan Makata said that he didn't feel right all year. Now it was only the year was two months, but it took the season ending for him to be able to really recover from it. I mean, obviously, like, myocarditis for Eduardo Rodriguez is is different. That was a severe case. Um, But, you know, like, Freddie Freeman had horrible symptoms, and then he came back and won the MVP. So you never really know how it's going to affect somebody in the long term. You just hope that it doesn't.
1: Exactly. So uh, we're holding our breath on that one. In a way, you know, maybe more than some of the pitchers, because COVID is just weight. There There is no magic bullet here or surgery or, you know, rehabilitation program that we know that works so that's the bad news maybe maybe a little good news we'll sprinkle in the vladimir guerrero and Bo bichette show i i like this these guys can stay in my infield all year as far as i'm concerned maybe maybe for many years
0: <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> they. these are the guys that were supposed to lead this wave and they're doing it
1: yeah and uh April or no april um it's it's two multi home run games from bachet i believe um it's hits all over the place lots of extra base hits uh and then from vlad that opposite field approach we've seen another week of him just hammering away at pitches in situations that are difficult i think he had a five twenty five obp this season with after two strikes
0: yeah that's ridiculous
1: (laughs) yeah it's like even great hitters tend to have trouble at that point you know uh unless you're joey Votto or whatever um and i'm it's like well if he really has his head wrapped around how how pitchers are approaching him and and how he doesn't have a hole in his swing right now um and he could take the walks happily which he has taken a bunch of. His his walks and strikeouts were basically even uh, last time I checked. They still Th- are? Yeah. That is, that's ridiculous. Everything about Vlad right now is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and he's got as many balls hit at 110 miles an hour as he had all of last year.
1: And he has more and, of those than anybody else in the league.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if <laughs> I was wrong. He had 12 last year, but he has nine now, and no one else has more than six. And he's just... Uh, he's swinging and missing actually this is the the interesting part at a rate that we've never seen from him before and like one thing that vlad has always done is make contact if he starts making more contact with what he's doing everywhere else he's gonna have just stupid numbers (laughs) i
1: feel like he really has consciously sold out to the the power and the launch angle adjustment you know the plane swing plane i'll call it a swing plane adjustment maybe not a launch angle adjustment in the early part of the at bat like he swings right out of his heels when he or or when he's ahead in the count when he knows what he wants to hit and sees it coming and he's been fooled a few times on that but when it comes down to two strikes it it looks to me like he can shift that approach and that is it has to be one of the toughest things to do as a hitter is to readjust to, to a pitcher who's already beat you and fooled you and go, okay, no, you're not going to fool me again. And I'm going to put the bat on the ball or I'm or I'm going to wait you out for the walk one way or the other.
0: Yeah. And the other crazy thing, he's only got four extra base hits so far. Two home runs and two doubles. We know that's going to go up. Like he's hitting the ball so hard, but he's hitting it like right up the middle, right at the center fielder or, or you know, whatever, or over the center field fence when it's a home run. but you know, he's going to start finding gaps with some of these rockets and those numbers are just going to go up and up and up. Now he's not going to hit 390. Like that's He's not gonna no. hit 390 with an on-base percentage of 519, but his ISO is under 200 right now. And that's not going to stay like that no. all season.
1: No, I mean, if, if, his, his average is, you know, over the course of the season, probably going to drop a hundred points, but I can see his ISO going up by a hundred points. So you know, the, the bases will be there. It just might not be quite as often. But again, I'm, I'm impressed by his ability to work the count and not be intimidated. Because I felt like that's what I was expecting when he first came up, was a guy who was not intimidated to be hitting with two strikes. And over and over again, I found someone who was sort of back on their heels with two strikes. And I was like, but well, that's weird. That's not how he was advertised as a hitter. And now it's like, oh, this is, this is the guy. This is the Miguel Cabrera attitude of, all right, you fooled me once. Now... Try, try it again. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's man. He just looks awesome. He looks like the guy we were promised. I like, mean, that's not bad the way to put it.
1: Yeah, and you can tell the the whole thing on like I'm I'm on Reddit now and again about you know with highlights and everything, and people are from other teams are just like this guy's a superstar. It's it's not just Blue Jays fans who are who are turned on to him at this point. Like it's it it's impossible to deny.
0: Yeah, I mean okay. <laughs> the guy's numbers are stupid. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, there's what well, the funny thing is, he's got like a five twenty five five sixteen OBP or whatever, and it's like, Oh yeah, that's fourth in the league. Like, there's three people ahead of him still. <laughs> I yeah. mean, one of those people's Mike Trout, but still, it's crazy. Uh Vlad and Bo on the defensive side. Uh everybody's making fun of Vlad for the number of times he does the splits. I blame everybody else in the infield.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> Kevin Biggio does not have the arm for third base. And it looks like he just missed a tag on a stolen base attempt when the ball beat the guy easily. Oh, the lace of his glove got the guy, so he's out. But uh, he doesn't have the arm for third. I mean, he's bounced so many throws, and Vlad has bailed him out, and he made a great, a couple great plays in that Yankee series. One of them on a, that play we were talking about where Merryweather got injured. The, the throw from the catcher came to Vlad and he whirled and fired a rocket to second base with like no look he just caught it spun and through and made the play and then he made another one on a double play ball and he's just looking so much more comfortable over there
1: yeah and and the, he ended the the game on a on a complete split and you know the, the first couple of, of days it was clear that Keeping his foot on the bag was something that he was still working on, more or less, like getting getting oriented to you know in the game, making sure that that stretch didn't take him off the bag. But he did he did dead full splits, which is amazing to me in so many ways because I've never been able to do that in my life. But he also he knew that they had they had got the runner, and the expression on his face was like, "I guess I'll just stay down here in the splits until you review the replay. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do." <laughs> He looked just so pleased with himself. Um Yeah, and that stretch in that case, uh, managed to get the out. There there's been other times when the pitcher has given him a, a bad feed, um and he's you know, he's attacked the ball enough to, to get the out when the runner's bearing down on him. There's just a bunch of different situations where where Vlad's been great. Bo, on the other hand, uh is better when he doesn't think about it.
0: <laughs> Defensively, you mean?
1: Yeah, the longer when the longer Bow has to do what he needs to do, the the higher and higher the chance goes that he's going to miss his target.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I mean it's true. He's when he when he can just when he just catches it and fires it, he's been a lot better. I I don't think that's you know I don't think he's got the yips. I don't think that's something that's going to continue. I think it was just like no. he made some early errors and sort of just got a little nervous. And I think that as he's you know he hasn't made any misplays. He made some great plays, in fact over that Yankees series. So I think as he just starts to feel more comfortable with himself, that's going to stop. But on the offensive side, the Jays have two walk-off home runs or sorry, four walk-off home runs all time against the Yankees. And he's got two of them.
1: Yeah. In Um, a very, very short span of time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And like, he's over a thousand OPS now on the season. Um, you know, it's 50 some odd handful, you know, 50 ish plate appearances for him and Vlad. So the numbers themselves are not that meaningful but he's just on fire right now. And he's showing that power the other way that we talked about a couple weeks ago, both of his home runs were to the opposite field. And like, if you can do that, then it's just hard to pitch to you. It's just that simple.
1: Yeah. And, um, and again, not unlike Vlad, the extra base hits come easy for Bo. Um, you know, he finds gaps. Uh, he has, you know, the extra couple steps. Oh, by the way, Vlad has the most improved sprint speed of any runner in MLB right now.
0: Like two. Yeah. By over two feet per second. (laughs) Uh, he's yeah. average he's a league average runner right now
1: yeah and i mean that's that's super good because he is a he's a I in my estimation he is a good base runner in on the thinking side of base running um so being average and a good thinker is way better than being average and a a uh you know what i'm trying to say below average and a good thinker um those extra couple steps are going to help him every do we we i think we have to talk about the rest of the offense though Yeah, what what Um, little there
0: is. Gertrich has still been okay, and Palacios, who you know, who gets called up, he's been quite solid. Everybody else sucks. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying they suck as talent wise, but the performance has just been putrid. I mean, the Jays as a team, and this is with two guys who have
1: 1,000 plus OPS.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) As a team, their OPS is 6.99, and with runners in scoring position. It's 571 with a 206 batting average. They're just not this, this getting inc- done. This includes a game where they scored 15 runs. Yeah, which somehow they did without hitting any home runs, which is really impressive. Um, yeah, I, you know, the the strikeouts are up. The walks are down, you know, and that's the wrong – everyone's strikeouts are up. Like, that's just the nature of the game right now. But the walks being down is the problem. If you're not going to get hits, which they're not – and you're not going to hit home runs, which they're doing sometimes. You better walk, and it's just not happening for most of them. And you know, like they, some of them will turn it around. Like Lourdes looks lost right now, and there's no reason to expect that that's going to continue. Yeah, but
1: well, I, I think especially with Lourdes because we have seen the streaks of nothing before, and then it it literally turns itself on its head because that's just the kind of hitter Lourdes Gurriel seems to be.
0: Yeah, and he's also swinging and missing at pitches that he doesn't swing and miss at and looking bad doing. I think he's just off. He needs a day or two to just, you know, turn things around.
1: As Pat and Buck would say, he needs a blow. And I would be like, no, that's not what you say.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the guy who's a little interesting is Semyon because he's got the four home runs, but that's kind of it.
1: Yeah, that's that's papering over all of the other, you know, the strikeouts. If you want to talk about strikeouts up and I don't look at any actual numbers uh, other than maybe Rowdy Tellez, Marcus Semien is my first candidate for the strikeouts are up.
0: Yeah, I mean, he leads the team in strikeouts tied with Kevin Biggio, who's also striking out a ton and he's popping it up a lot when he's not striking out. He's just not hitting well and he can be better than this. We've seen him be better than this, even in his bad years. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's just I, the this team has a lot of guys who will go cold. Even when healthy, you know, Teoscar, Rowdy, the catchers, Grichuk eventually will go cold. I mean, we just know that's going to happen. The only guys you really feel confident will not go cold for stretches are Springer when he's healthy, Vlad, and Bo. But just all those other guys are cold at the exact same time. <laughs> Yeah, and I would
1: I I don't know. I, I feel like if hitting was as contagious as some commentators claim, that at least, you know, one or two more guys in the lineup would have kind of picked up on the, hey, if you could just get on base here, if you could just, you know, squeak out a walk that when it comes around to to Vlad, he will drive you in. Give him a chance. But it it has not happened yet. Um Rowdy Tells uh I mean an actual hit and then an actual home run on consecutive days, his first two hits of the season. That maybe saved him. Well, Teoscar Hernandez is what saved him from from leaving this team prematurely. Uh, well, it would be not
0: being healthy yet.
1: Well, yes, yeah. In the long run, Springer. Everything hinges on on what what slot Springer takes up. Um, Palacios, I was I was really happy for four hits in his in his uh, was it debut second game second game four hits. Hey, and then I don't think he's had two since. But well.
0: He's got six yep. hits. Yeah. Actually, he had one in his debut and then one yeah. after that, but he's also walked a couple times. You know, he's he's six for 16. Not part, horrible. So, like, with two he's, walks and he's been hit by two pitches. Like, that's fine. Um, the corner outfield defense is kind of, <laughs> like, oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Palacios just didn't catch a ball against the Yankees that landed on the warning track. He thought it was gone or something. I don't know. And then in this Kansas City game, Guriel completely misread a ball that turned a single into an RBI double, and he's looked really shaky in the outfield too, actually. So things that did—they're six and six, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm things not are going badly, mad. So that's good.
1: Yeah, I'm not mad. If this—if this is if you can go six and six while the, everything's on fire, I mean, hey, if things turn around. You definitely put a winning streak in there, like the Red Sox. Um and I think largely th- that goes into what what the next you know point on the list here is uh Steven Matz and Ryu are looking good. It's it it's what we saw in spring training from Mats. it's what we were counting on from the big contract from Ryu. Uh and I will throw Robbie Ray's return in there as another another high point. Is that was exactly what um the kind of velocity Robbie Ray was supposed to have, uh, the slight lack of control Robbie Ray sometimes comes with, but it didn't really hurt him because even though he walked, I think, three, but they couldn't really put a lot together against him because that's Robbie Ray. He misses bats. I don't know. I, I could go with those three guys. The problem is the other two, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. And he, they, this is kind of, well, we weren't sure on bats because, you know, I thought he was going to be fine. I didn't think he was going to be this good. Obviously, it's still early. He's only made two starts. But he looks really good. And they tweaked his pitch mix a bit. So that he uses the changeup more often and the cutter and less of the curveball. And it's obviously working. Um, you know, but like we thought, or at least I did, or I shouldn't say we, that Ryu, Pearson, and Ray was going to be a really good one-two-three. In And that bats would be fine as a 4-5. But the upside was iffy. If Mats can keep doing this and Pearson's going to be back in three weeks or whatever it is, that's a good one to four. It's just who else is going to pitch the various innings that are going to be required is still to be answered.
1: Yeah. I mean, is is Anthony K going to be your answer for more than one start? Uh, clearly, the team does not think Tanner Roark is an answer for anything anymore, except mop-up duty.
0: This baffled me. Like, OK, I get you know, you want to remove him from the rotation because he's not pitching very well. But when Ross Stripling got scratched from the start in the series finale against the Yankees and Zoic had to pitch. That meant that the first game, the one that's on while we're recording this against the Royals, didn't have a starter. If you can't trust Rourke to spot start against the Royals, why is he on the roster? Like, if he can't do that he's useless like because like his only value is being able to do something like that he's not like he's a guy who's going to pitch well in leverage out of the bullpen and they already have long relievers in malone and thornton so i don't like why is he here
1: yeah is he here because he's only going to pitch when you're already way behind and if you get more behind her it won't bother anybody well that that's totally useless
0: (laughs) but that's also tommy malone's there for that so you know okay i get at least for the moment, keeping him because literally everyone else is injured. So if someone else gets injured, you need someone to start. But and t- when someone comes back, like if Pearson gets back or Stripling, I think Rourke has to go. I think there's just no point in him being in this role.
1: No, I don't. I don't either. I mean, and that's not even because I don't like Rourke. It, it just seems like he is—he's taking up a roster spot that that you just not necessary, like you said. Um, so. Oh how the mighty have fallen! Um, so there really is—is is TJ zoich the fifth starter the next time this comes around?
0: He's in the rotation right now. Right now, now right now the rotation is Ryu. It's, well, it's Matt's. Yeah, Matt's Ray Ryu. I'm just think, I'm thinking the order that people are going to pitch.
1: Um, so
0: So it goes: Matt's kay. Ray Zouik Ryu. And then Anthony Kay is still currently in that fifth spot, but they don't need a fifth starter for a while. So it's probably just those four guys until someone gets back.
1: Um, I, you know, I feel bad for Zoic that he got put up against the Yankees twice.
0: <laughs> yeah, he did. Well, he did really well the first time. Yes, um, yes. And the second time he deserved better. Like if Palacios catches that ball, it's the only two runs he gives up are the two home runs to Aaron Judge. So I think he's earned another start
1: yeah for sure i mean above and beyond the whole there is nobody else to start for him thing um yeah yeah, so okay so we need to probably talk about the new faces then uh we mentioned anthony k like five times what is anthony's K's uh pedigree for those of us who are not as familiar out there in in podcast land with anthony k i
0: mean he's a former first round pick he was one of the guys that was traded for Marcus Stroman, and to me, he was the better piece than at the time than Simeon woods Richardson. He's a left-handed starter who has decent stuff. His issue is a bit—he doesn't control the zone as well as he was thought to. Um, when he throws strikes, he's quite good, and when he doesn't, he's not, which is a back of the rotation starter. So he's fine in this role. It's just, you know, it's just a little earlier than I thought it would be for him.
1: Yeah, and uh, the more you pitch, the more chance you have of getting hurt. Uh, Josh Palacios. So uh, we discussed he had a four-hit game. Um, you were saying you're not sure about his ability to play the outfield, as evidenced by the early going here. Um, can he run? I can't figure that he's, out.
0: <laughs> well, he's not a burner. You know, he's not, like...
1: He's not Johnson Davis. Build.
0: No, you look at his build. He looks like he would he would be fast, but he's... Average-ish, little a little above average speed, but he's not. Yeah, you know, he's not a guy who's a base stealing threat or anything like that. And you, you know, you're not going to stick him in center field. Um, he can play right field okay. He just has a habit of every now and then just completely misplaying a ball, which I've seen. Which sounds a lot like the guy he's replacing. <laughs> <laughs> Without now, the... J. Oscar has better tools than Palacios, I think. Uh, right. You know, just in terms of the raw speed and the arm strength, but. I think he's gonna be fine there, but just not good.
1: Uh Joel Payamps, uh, who the Blue Jays have tried very hard to keep and then keep kicking off the roster into the the nether area of the minor league slash taxi squad slash whatever you call it these days. But he's back.
0: He's back. And he's fine. Yeah, he's like he's okay. So here's the thing about this bullpen. Well, we'll get to the next guy, then I'll say it. So, Pam, as the last reliever, he's fine.
1: Anthony Castro! Not to be confused with the Castro that they traded. Uh, I had to look that up. I was like, I know they traded a Castro for Torrey Tulewinski. Yeah, Miguel Castro, who threw very, very hard. I believe Anthony also throws very hard, does he not?
0: 96-97.
1: Yeah, it's pretty hard. (laughs) Hard enough. Uh, So, yeah, there you go. You've filled out the bullpen again with a uh, seemingly lottery pick of dudes that you have in in reserve so what is your statement yeah. on this bullpen
0: well i just want to talk about castro quickly the issue with castro has always been whether he can throw enough strikes and i mentioned that he had like a ridiculous strikeout to walk ratio in the spring training but he was facing like average Those, of ball yeah. type players in his outing against the yankees he threw uh what was it 15 strikes in 19 pitches and I think he started with seven strikes in a row, fastball slider. And that, if he can do that, then he's going to be a useful member of the bullpen. But so we've talked about this bullpen a few times and how good it could be. Right now, it's not Meriwether, Romano, Baraki, Phelps, Dolly, <laughs> Phel- uh, Mesa. Oh, and- Phelps got hit in the
1: back, but he has not gone on the IL, right?
0: But he's still day-to-day. But, okay, so it's Dolis is the closer. Borucki's in there. Phelps might be. Um, Mesa's still there. And then it's Thornton, Payamps, Castro, Malone, Rourke. This is not what we thought we were getting. And it's like they're really going to be weathering the storm for a little bit. And shockingly, it, it really has not
1: been the bullpen imploding after a starter handed over a big lead to them that's been the problem up to this point, <laughs> despite all of this.
0: Yeah. And we'll see how it goes going forward. Because, as we mentioned, like, Kasher looked great. Mesa looked, has looked fantastic. I mean, his sinker against the Yankees in that ninth inning was just unbelievable. I remember I joked about It's like There's no one has a Zach Britton sinker except Zach Britton it's close like my goodness like, <laughs> there, were, there were the so that double play you were talking about where uh where vlad did the splits after both threw it from a seat i was watching the replay of that and just watching the pitch because it, it dove down and in and i was just like well oh, where did this come from but uh so there's still some talent there just guys without track records
1: yeah we're gonna need a little magic pixie dust to get it through and it looks like we've got some of it out there um uh, in the bullpen, more than anywhere else. Do we have questions from the people? Because we can come back and answer them. We have lots. All right, we're going to take a breather. We're going to come back, answer your questions, and going to hand out one star of gold. We'll be back. quick breather and we are back and because we are back i get to press the button that uh does the questions thing
0: time now to hear from our listeners that just seems silly
1: here are the rules first i ask a question then you ask a question how does that sound sweetheart could you
0: repeat the question please
1: i will not repeat the question i will read the question from marx bukerle at Pena who says, not sure when you're recording next, right now, as it turns out. Uh, (laughs) But here's a question. As of the time of recording, who is the best Blue Jay? Who's the most valuable Blue Jay? Who's the most important Blue Jay? And are they the same or different players? Wow, let's let's get semantics, Josh.
0: So I'm going to start with the most important one. Mm -hmm. It's Hyunjin Ryu. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: concur. (laughs) This this Um, is like a ship without a captain without Hyunjin Ryu.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if everyone was healthy, I might say Vlad, but it's for you. It, <laughs> like, no, I wouldn't say Vlad. It's for you. you know, they need that just reliable, comfortable ace. Um, what were the other ones? Best, the best Blue, Blue Jay. Jay.
1: I nominate Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for Best Blue Jay. Uh,
0: yeah, I think it's strong case. It's either him or you, and I, I, I think I'll go with Vlad just at least so far, and then. The last one was
1: the most valuable. Most valuable.
0: I'm not sure that's different from most important or best. I mean, I think that's kind of redundant from one of the three.
1: Yeah, I, I think Jin Ryu is right now the most valuable Blue Jay. Uh, because of that seven innings of, no, you're not touching him every five days. It, w- it was funny to see Garrett Cole go out there and make the Blue Jays look stupid. And then the next day, Hyunjin Ryu is like, oh, I can do that too. No problem. Makes the Yankees look <laughs>
0: stupid. <laughs> By <laughs> the way, there was this whole thing about, oh, Ryu can't pitch against the Yankees he struggles against the Yankees. So far this year, he has 11, 12 innings of two runs, earned <laughs> runs allowed. And then he shut them down his last outing last year. I think he can pitch against the Yankees.
1: Yeah, these are not, this is not your father, Gen Jen Ryu. Um, all right. Uh, one, two, three, give me a Z. I, I presume that's a vaccine request, not a, not cheering for the Diamondbacks. Lastly, <laughs> underscore, nope uh my question is a follow-up do you think the jays need to settle on a closer sooner rather than later or focus focus more on situational closing
0: well yeah this so this is a follow-up for some reason these went out of order oh the original question was from brendan coon is there anything to take away from romano looking a little shaky well we know now so we don't need to go into that
1: uh also thank you for the congratulations brendan on the 200 um my to the follow-up question I do not think the Jays need to anoint a closer, especially considering all of what has gone down in the last week regarding injuries.
0: Yeah. So this was asked obviously before Romano was announced, but even if everyone were healthy, I don't think that they should do that. I think they should use them the way that they were, you know, if if Romano is obviously, this is assuming people are performing as expected, but I like the idea of Merriweather being able to pitch to, you know, five outs if need be. And, romano being able to be trusted to be a fireman against the middle of a lineup and whenever that situation arises and you need those guys just turn to them having that flexibility is a good thing
1: yeah yeah i think we've said it before um and i don't think it's changed i think if anything the injuries have have uh magnified that um incoherent screaming at split letters asks uh, first says <laughs> congrats dudes again thank you uh here's the question were we all wrong to assume the yankees were going to run away with the al east like they look good but not the dominant force of years past. Josh?
0: I don't think so. I think the Yankees are going to be very good. Some of their guys haven't gotten going yet, just like the Blue Jays. Like, that's like you know making assessments about the Blue Jays offense <laughs> this early in the season and what they're going to be the rest of the way. The Yankees have a lot of really, really good players. And Luke Voigt is coming back in like a week. So I still think that they are the team to beat, even if the pitching though Their pitching looks shaky, right? Kluber looks bad. And Tyone looks hittable, but Severino's on his way back. They've got Davey Garcia coming back, coming up. I, I just think they're still the best team.
1: I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that the Yankees make a move early if they don't think Kluber and Tayon Tyon between them can, can fill a rotation slot. You know, if there's if there's somewhere to get better pitching, the, Blue, the Yankees will go and find it. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think right now it's just April. I, I wish I wish I could say the Yankees were done, but I will not say that at all. Uh, Matt Sweeby at Blue J. Matt, congratulations on the 200. Thank you, Matt. What are we all going to be talking about in another 200 episodes time?
0: So 200 episodes time, that's what, four years from now?
1: I thought it was what are we still going to be talking about in 200 episodes time? Because I was just going to say strikeouts. Um, but what are we all going to be talking about? Depending um, free
0: agency of like yeah, junior? Yeah. Oh,
1: thanks. Thanks for bringing us down there. <laughs> the, the Hall of Fame track of Bo Bichette. Um, well, we're going to be talking about, we're, I bet you we're reminiscing about a different Blue Jays playoff appearance in 200 episodes. We're not going to be talking yeah. about 2015, 2016 anymore.
0: I like that. No, we won't be reminiscing. We'll be discussing how they're going to be building on their recent playoff appearance.
1: <laughs> there you go. Colleen Evans. Uh thank you, Colleen, for being here for presumably all 200 episodes. It seems that way anyway. And, and even uh, going
0: back to before we were this.
1: Yeah, congrats. Uh no, congratulations on you for being the super fan. What defensive position do you think Kevin vizio's is best, and that's in quotation marks, Josh, suited to be playing, and what would that look like with this roster, provided you don't think he should be playing third?
0: Huh. So the problem with this roster is that there's no one else really to play third. Um Well, I mean, assuming that Vlad is not going to be doing that. I think Vlad is the first baseman now, and that's just the way it is. So I think he has to. If Jordan Groshans or Austin Martin later in the season shows that they're capable of playing third, I think Biggio's ultimate role is going to be as a utility who gives off days to – he plays six out of every seven days, and he just gives an off day to a different player every day. And I just think that's where he's going to profile best because he's, I mean, unless they, you know, like if semyon has gone, he'll move back to second base. But I just think that's where he's best suited.
1: You spread out his defensive indifferences as far as possible is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, All right. So we have a a chart. And who doesn't love a good chart? Uh, So for those of you on Twitter, uh, it was Mark Spurley at Trilly Mopena, who, in honor of the anniversary, uh, searched on Fangraphs. Eighteen players with batting averages of two hundred or lower and at least one hundred plate appearances with the Jays, who are our favorites. Uh, Miguel Montero. I did not know he had two hundred plate appearances. Well, he doesn't have the years on here. Ron Shepard.
0: Jason says one hundred plate appearances.
1: Sorry, one hundred plate appearances. Uh, Ron Shepard. Jason Nix. I remember when Jason Nix was supposed to be a big, a big shot in the arm. Uh, Kevin Cash. Joe Cannon, Derek Fisher, Brian Simmons, Joe Lawrence, not the singer, Jonathan Davis, oops, Bob Davis, right beside him, that's fun, uh, Luke Melee, uh, Mike McCoy, Renee Gonzalez, Brian McRae, is it that Brian McRae? Did he really have a hundred played appearances with the Blue Jays? He did. Uh, Melvin Upton Jr., also known as BJ Upton when he felt like it, Dwayne DeWise, uh,
0: Kenny Williams and Josh Cole. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean this is a list of guys that don't with an average under or 200 or under cuz Tolley's included. So it was going to be a wow <laughs> list. Yeah, no, I'm just
1: thinking about like some of these guys you could see that they had um they had a uh they could run. I mean there's there's a whole bunch of these guys where it's like oh, they could run. Uh Kenny Williams, uh Dwayne Wise was he could play defense. Um I think my favorite there is Mike McCoy, if only for that one season where he spent most of the season traveling around, getting called up and demoted.
0: Goddamn Mike McCoy! He just <laughs> always seemed to be back. <laughs> that, that era where the Jays just loved their five foot eight, no hit middle infielders—Mike McCoy, Joe England. <laughs> um, I think my favorite here, though. I I always liked Dwayne Wise. And then I liked him when he made that Mark Bradley perfect game saving catch in Chicago. So I I gotta go with Dwayne Wise.
1: Dwayne Wise. Dwayne Wise. Uh fun, weird uh aside, uh I work at Rogers. There is a gentleman named Mike McCoy who still works at Rogers. Technically Mike McCoy was on a Rogers payroll at one point. Um and he insists that he is no relation and is not the guy who used to play middle infield. Uh, but apparently he gets he gets that from most people who meet him
0: <laughs> at some <laughs> point. Funny. Not, it's funny that Mike McCoy is recognizable enough or or memorable enough that people say that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um wow, Derek Fisher really did not have a good run with this team. 37% K rate, the highest among all of the below uh below 200 hitters on that list. Well, thank you, Trillimo. Uh that is a strange but strangely appropriate way for artificial turf wars to honor said anniversary. I am going to hand out a quick but important gold star like this. I think that's rather brilliant. So
0: I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star.
1: You enjoy that. You've earned it. Uh, my gold star goes out to Zach Grenke, a player who I, I really empathize with, I think, because it's clear that whatever Zach Grenke's is doing, he doesn't understand what anybody else is doing out on the baseball field. Um, and he, you know, he, I know he walked away from the game because of anxiety at one point and he came back to it. He even said he liked it without the crowds, uh, which tells you a lot about him. He also is a genius. uh, And I would like to give him credit this week for throwing one pitch. He threw a fastball. He threw it for a strike. And he threw it 51 miles an hour, which I have a lot of sympathy for. Fastball? Yeah.
0: (laughs) It wasn't a super slow curveball.
1: No. You can look it up.
0: (laughs) I'm going to.
1: I'm 99% sure that looked like a fastball. It didn't it didn't have a big loopy anything on it when I looked it up. We're we're gonna we're gonna see how fast Josh can type that
0: in. Yeah, I'm talking with one hand because I'm holding a microwave. A microwave. Microphone.
1: <laughs> Josh is very <laughs> strong. <laughs> oh. oh man. What do you think's going at the front of the podcast? Probably that. Oh man. I can't tell. Well, it was loopy, but I
0: can't tell if he just lobbed it. or <laughs> I would
1: just like you to know that I, a grown man, if I really, if I really put in the effort on one of those radar guns outside the, the stadium, I can usually get it up to fifty-one or fifty-two miles an hour. So my max effort pitch is Zach Granke trying to make someone look foolish, but with control. Uh, <laughs> that's my gold star. <laughs>
0: He, oh, through, he He has hit 100 miles an hour before. He can't do that hard anymore. So he's got a range on his fastball <laughs> of 50 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't
1: look like an EFIS pitch, though, does it? It's not your classic try and get the hitter to to play, you know, look like he's in a softball game trying to tee off on you. No. He just wh- took it. Yeah. Well, yeah, called strike. <laughs> I think as an umpire I can imagine that moment where you you know you anticipate the pitch right just like the hitter does and there must be a moment with the umpire it's like I'm sure it'll get here anytime now (laughs) (laughs) what uh what say you for your final thoughts sir
0: so we've been talking about some of the numbers for these hitters you want to know who has a 2000 OPS (laughs) Pablo Uh. Sandoval He's got three home runs. Early season, just this is no. This is no. He's three. (laughs) He's three for eight. This is just fun with early season numbers. There's a guy with the White Sox, Mercedes, who's hitting over 500 right now. Yeah, but have you seen how hard that guy hits the ball? Oh no, he's he's good. He's gonna be. He's gonna have nice numbers when the season ends. But he's not gonna hit 500. i hate the it's early comments but it's early and we really shouldn't be looking at anybody's numbers yet the early part of this podcast notwithstanding
1: well we are also looking at at approach and results when we talk about bow and blood we're not obsessed with a thousand ops and at some point in the season if you want to finish up with an 850 or a 900 ops you have to be over a thousand at some point that it's in the first two weeks is great (laughs) but you know jose bautista often would have a stretch where he hit with you know 1100 or 1200 ops for two weeks or a month and then he would go and he would hit for you know people would find a hole in his swing or he would make an adjustment and he'd hit 750 and everyone acted like the world was uh, coming down around them um so yeah it's fine it's fine uh early season it's good times we've had two no hitters this week is my final thought i i don't remember two no hitters in the same week since like well i'm sure it has been i remember in 1991 that happened uh it's hard to squeeze them in together like that they're so random
0: was it so, 91 or 1990 the when the jays got no hit
1: was that the same day
0: in 1990 there yeah, were two hitters
1: so. two no hitters on the same day it might have been 1990 dave stewart and somebody else
0: and, and fernando Valzuela. yeah yeah
1: but uh yeah super cool uh, it's nice to see pitchers finishing games and are able to finish games when the no-hitter thing comes up. I think a shared no-hitter just loses a little bit of that magic.
0: Here's what's crazy about the Musgrove and Rodon no-hitters. This is originally going to be my final thought, and I forgot because I was carrying a microwave. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: carrying a watermelon. Both, no. the,
0: both of their no-hitters were no-walks and a hit batter.
1: So one, uh, what they they called Rodon's one shoelace away from a perfect game. Oh, yeah, and that's the first no-hitter in Padres history, so we can finally get rid of that piece of trivia.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a shoelace. He hit him in his toe. Oh, okay. He threw a slider that uh, the guy didn't move. (laughs) He just stood there and let him hit him in the toe. And then Rodon was like, oh, did that hurt? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, if I knew that was going to happen, I would have just drilled you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right, so that is to say that you have been Joshua Housem, Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and this has been episode, you guessed it, 200 of the Artificial Turf Wars, and we'll talk at you again next week.